0: Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. Have thoughts on what we should cover in a future episode? Let us know on Twitter at at Champion. Alrighty, so today we are talking about DDoS attacks and specifically, we'll discuss the new Cisco Secure DDoS edge protection solution that gives service providers an efficient DDoS detection and mitigation solution that can prevent the attacks right at the access layer. So let's get to the good stuff and find out who's going to help us unpack what all of this means. Who do we have with us today? Alexander, I'm gonna start with you. Who are you, my friend? Hey,
1: hi, hi, hi. My name is Alexander Deka. I'm a principal engineer working for NTT. Um, My strong points are actually in the data center environment, but also working for service providers. And uh, I think it's a very good topic and a very like on top topic today uh, to talk. So looking forward to having a nice discussion with you all.
0: Glad to have you. All right, David, you're up next. Hello. Hello. My name is David Penelosa. Hello.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I work for Verizon Enterprise Solutions. I'm a principal engineer and my job is to well provide consultancy to my customers every day. SD One, regular One Networks, Data Center, you call it. I'm here.
0: Alrighty. Glad to have you with us. Liam?
3: Hi, uh, I am Liam Keegan. I run 24-7 Networks, which is a partner out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, and I, am, uh, ne- I, I I have like zero experience in the service provider space. So I'm going to ask all the questions like, what is a service provider? Uh, but no, I'm excited <laughs> to, to, to listen or to learn about uh, uh, some DDoS protection in this SP space. And uh, yeah, so thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, Rakesh, welcome. Uh, can you tell us more about who you are and what you do at Cisco?
4: Sure thank you Emily. Hello everyone. I am Rakesh Kandula. Uh, I am a technical marketing engineer. I primarily handle security for service provider platforms. My interests are around trustworthy systems, platform security chips, secure boot and also of course DDoS solutions. Today I'm going to talk more about the new DDoS solution that we are going to launch very soon.
0: All right, well let's get into it.
3: Well, let's let's start with What is a DDoS attack, and how have these DDoS prevention solutions evolved over time?
4: Sure, Liam. So if you look at what a DDoS attack is, by definition, as you see, it's a distributed denial-of-service attack. So if you break it into two parts, the denial-of-service is essentially where an attacker tries to overwhelm a service in your network, like a web server or maybe a DNS server, by just injecting malicious traffic and that's how you cause disruption to any of your services, right? Now the distributed aspect is when the same attacker tries to attack in parallel with multiple attack sources in a distributed but coordinated fashion. And that's exactly how a distributed denial of service attack works. Let me take a simple example, right? Let's say you're expecting a very important phone call. And now, I am the adversary who would want to cause some disruption. What would I do? I would hire a hundred people to constantly make phone calls on your number, and that's the attack traffic. So your legitimate traffic, which is that important phone call, never gets through. And that's how, in general, a DDoS attack works uh, uh, in the networking world as well, right? now. If you want to talk about the evolution before that, we need to first understand how the DDoS solutions work today or what is the problem they're trying to solve right? before we go and look at the evolution itself. So let's take a simple example. If you look at a typical service provider deployment, traditionally DDoS attacks are what is called as inbound attacks wherein the attack traffic is coming from outside your network into your network. And it typically ends up on the edge router, which could be a peering transit edge, or a data center edge, or a subscriber edge for a broadband use case. So traditionally, DDoS attacks have been uh, always placed at the network edge. Then coming to how they work, Traditionally, the DDoS solutions uh, had those mitigation and mitigation engines off the box. And now, because of the new challenges that we see, we are coming up with an innovative way where you could have the same solution on the box.
1: Hey Rakesh, Um, maybe it's good to to give uh, our listeners also uh, uh, an example of what they can uh, expect from a DDoS attack, or maybe uh, an example of uh, an attack that happened recently. I think
4: it might be a good uh, value add as well. Sure, Alexander, that's a good point. So let me actually talk about the impact of these attacks before we even talk about the solutions, right? So if you look at it, let's start with some of the stats uh, based on the recent attacks. The year 2019, uh, we saw a DDoS attack on New Zealand Stock Exchange. So obviously it disrupted the trading itself. Then a lot of web hyperscalers have reported DDoS attacks of the scale of terabits per second, more than two terabits per second. And just the first half of year 2021, we have seen almost 5.4 million DDoS attacks. So in short, the DDoS attacks are increasing in their scale, the volume, the frequency, and also the sophistication. When I mean sophistication, we are now seeing attacks which are multi-vector and not just volumetric attacks. And that is the reason we need to tackle the DDoS solution, especially with service provider networks, where you're typically supporting the critical infrastructure of a nation.
2: Okay, let me just stop you there a little. So we try to get things on track for our listeners. So then you just mentioned that there could be about five million of attacks or so. Well, I think, I remember five, maybe I just missed hurt, sorry. <laughs> so the question is then how
4: frequently do they occur? So if you look at it, uh, the intent behind attacks is what you have to look at it, right? I'll I'll give a few examples. Now, one, the DDoS attacks these days uh, are sometimes used as war tactics wherein uh, nation states uh, would want to attack critical infrastructure of another nation. That's one scenario. Then there's another scenario, uh, not technically very malicious, but like online gaming scenario. We have seen these days where if you have someone who is potentially losing a game in an online gaming environment, they try to take advantage of these DDoS as a service providers, and then they try to launch an attack on the opponent just to win the game, right? And then with increasing IoT botnets and all, uh, the best example is the Mirai botnet attack, right? So with more and more IoT endpoints and mobile devices connecting to your network, again, the frequency is increasing a lot. And like I mentioned earlier, the volume, the scale, and the frequency—we see all of those increasing uh, year on year.
3: So, from a from a DDoS perspective, right? You, you mentioned like like you mentioned that the attacks have been evolving, right? Why is Cisco coming out with edge solutions as opposed to sort of what they've been currently doing? Like, what was the what was the need in the market that that caused Cisco to? You know, develop, develop this type of edge edge solution.
4: Surely, yeah. so uh, to better appreciate why we are even so, uh, launching this new solution, uh, I would like to talk a bit about how the DDoS solutions work currently. Right? The core philosophy of a DDoS solution is this, always deploy your solution at the source of the attack. So your detection and mitigation engines should be very close to where the attack uh, source is. So like I mentioned at the beginning, typically DDoS attacks today end up on the edge router, which could be a peering edge or a data center edge or a subscriber edge router. And how the solutions were deployed? We had offline, uh, off-the-box DDoS detection engines, wherein you typically export the NetFlow data or sample the flows and then export it to this off-box engine. And then this off-box entity, it churns all of this data it also gets some cloud intelligence feed. And based on this, it detects if there is an active attack going on.
3: So, so by, the, by the time, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but by the, by the time the traffic, the DDoS gets to the DDoS mitigation box, it may have already saturated the provider's network?
4: Yes,
2: I potentially, yes,
3: exactly.
4: Okay. And, and then we'll talk about why that's actually a problem with evolving use cases as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't this also a risk, regardless of having the word
2: edge? in the middle of the product or not, because the DDoS attacks are supposed to be just a huge influx and it happens in a matter of seconds, isn't it? So by the time you actually realize there is an attack, then you might have the rope around your neck. Then how do you then fight against this? Even if there is no edge, although we'll move, we will be moving towards the, what's the edge use case definitely, but but just to understand
4: then, how do we do it with the edge and without it? Right, valid point, David. so th- th- So what we are saying is that we are not saying the traditional DDoS solutions no longer help us. It's just that based on the use case and the problem that you're trying to solve, now we need to think of where you want to deploy your solution. So let me explain a bit about the evolving challenges, right? That'll make it very clear why we are launching a new solution. So if you look at uh, the current trends with increasing 5G deployments, Uh, We know there are more and more IOT endpoints getting connected to a service provider network. There are more mobile endpoints connected to a network. So the new kind of attacks are called as outbound attacks, unlike the previous case where we called it as inbound attacks where the threats were from outside your network. So with this IOT and mobile endpoints, the malicious traffic could originate from within your network and then traverse your rest of your network. And that's the biggest problem, right? And if you go back to the core philosophy of DDoS that I mentioned before, you should always have a DDoS solution deployed right where the attack source is. And in this case, the attack source is your cell site router because that's where your mobile endpoints are getting connected, right? That's the first scenario. The second uh, uh, and increasing uh, use case is this. With increasing 5G deployments, the requirement for ultra low latency sensitive 5G applications has increased a lot. So, if you deploy a traditional DDoS solution, think of a situation where you have to export the flows to an off-box entity, detect it, then try to mitigate by going through a scrubber it's too late for these latency sensitive applications. And that's the reason you need to think of a new way to handle these DDoS attacks.
1: Would you be able to also give an example, for example, if you talk about the use case for 5G and IoT use case, uh, an example of an application would we benefit uh, and why IoT, why IoT devices are so sensitive?
4: Sure. So typically, if you look at it, uh, even the best example, again, I would go back to the Mirai botnet where the IoT devices uh, typically have small form factor. You cannot really have uh, all sorts of heavy security mechanisms there, so it's easy to compromise them right? And if I have to take an example of a latency sensitive application, let's take driverless cars, connected cars, right? Obviously you would want your application response to be probably within milliseconds, right? You cannot expect your response time in an automated car to be delayed just because you are exporting your flow somewhere to detect an attack. So that is where it becomes important to think differently uh, in handling DDoS attacks for these Evolving use cases
2: well, I definitely agree. imagine that you you would then take too long to realize that it was a red light and
3: it,
2: and then well what was the last thing we saw there
3: <laughs> but but that's the that's also the big differentiator between what what the service providers face in terms of their ddos is that it's not like a a corporate DDoS or, or sort of a standard where you can go to one place and say, hey, go turn off these endpoints, go, you know, filter this traffic. I mean, sort of just everything has free ingress onto the network and sort of the service provider's responsibility to get that traffic through. Well, obviously, if it's malicious, they want to block it. But there's, there's you know, if, if you have a thousand connected cars or a hundred thousand connected cars that get infected with some malware because of some unpatched li- library, all of a sudden you've got, <laughs> roaming endpoints everywhere, right? That are just spewing out garbage traffic. Yeah, it's actually the source of the network.
1: Eh? I mean, the source of the provider network that's uh, actually causing the, the that's, attacks, is well, that's
2: Well, where, that's where the gotcha is, because then if you allow the traffic to cross your network to realize that it is sourcing the malicious traffic, then by the time it gets to the other side of the network, then you either congestion the network or you just roll over
4: somebody <laughs> because <laughs> it was a red light. <laughs> Or both. (laughs) Exactly. So that's exactly the reason why we want to launch a new solution. This this
1: lane assist is not working anymore.
4: (laughs) So if you look at, uh, uh, so you you guys got the use case exactly right, given these kind of sensitive applications and also the problem with uh, IoT endpoints being not very secure. That is where uh, we are launching this innovative new solution where we would want to tackle the attacks right on the box at your cell site route. And that's exactly the Cisco security DOS edge protection.
2: Okay, let me just hit you up before you hit that one then. Then does that mean that if I, Let's assume that I have a service provider or work for one. Okay, let's not assume it, but
3: I work. You, you for do actually. <laughs> yeah, I was going like, oh
2: well, <laughs> then assume it. But, okay, for the sake of example, then assume that now the new use case is five G IoT, which is. Uh, it's indeed a common use case nowadays, or it's becoming more common. Then, if I already have a DDoS protection solution, or I have a strategy to do it, the typical one there is a route server. The route server is expecting then a policy to get triggered. You get an injection of a route that redirects redirects the traffic to a particular, well, hole in the networking which are going to drop all this malicious traffic. The typical DDoS protection. Then, if I get then the new use case for IoT and five G. Does that mean that my older one isn't going to then cooperate with this new solution or can I have both? And what's the gotcha? Because it's like having two or three antivirus in the same computer. Usually it doesn't go very well.
4: (laughs) Totally get your point. That's a very good (laughs) point that you raised, David, right? So these two solutions are actually not mutually exclusive. So let me make it clear. Like I said, the traditional DDoS solutions still have a place in the network because based on the use case that we're trying to address, you would either deploy in a traditional manner where your detection and mitigation engines are off the box, or if you're looking at an IoT or a 5G use case, that's when you deploy on the router uh, with this new solution, right? So both of them can coexist. It just depends on a specific customer scenario or which part of the network you would want to handle the attacks immediately on the box versus which of the traffic you're still okay to Traverse to a central point, aggregate there, and then you tackle the attacks. But the earlier solutions are not obsolete in short.
3: So, Rakesh, tell us a little bit about the the, the secure edge DDoS and Cisco's sort of answer to this issue of ever ever more distributed uh, denial of service protection. Right? How how is Cisco solving this problem with with this particular product?
4: Sure, Leon. So what we are doing is. Uh, we had to go back uh, a year where we enabled what is called as an application hosting infrastructure on our iOS XR devices. So with this kind of a uh, secure infrastructure where you could now run Docker containers uh, on our routers itself, now we are able to launch the solution where we have moved this off-box detection agent onto the router. So we are launching this with our NCS 540 series routers where you could launch a DDoS detection engine as a Docker container on the NCS 540 series router. And then the mitigation is a simple REST API call with a controller that sits outside the box. And now you might ask, why a controller when you're doing on the box, right? Now the point is this, someone has to take care of orchestrating this uh, Docker container across hundreds of cell sites. Someone has to manage the lifecycle management and most importantly, you need to have some sort of a visualization or a entity to integrate with your existing closed loop automation systems, right? So that's where you have a controller. Now, a simple REST API call from the controller can block your attacks right on that NCS540 router. And that's how this solution can cater to all those low latency requirements and block the attacks right at the source, which is the cell site router.
1: Here. We- Sorry, Rakesh, to interrupt. Uh, we're talking about the cell router, right? The NCS, um, and that it's a container running on site the IOS XR. Are there any plans from Cisco also to take this product so we can actually run it on different uh, different platforms as well? Yes. Well, still mining on IOS XR, of course, but
4: definitely, Alexander. So we are launching the phase one solution with NCS 540 series router because we are targeting the mobility use case for five G deployments, right? But eventually the plan is in the next phase uh, to cater to some of these peering requirements as well. So that's when we have plans to enable it on the rest of the portfolio as well. Uh, so we are there's work in progress, but it's going to be launched in phase two. And there's another important point I would like to bring up, right? So uh, like I said, this is a new way of uh, deploying DDoS solutions where you have the agent running on the box, right? But we just did not, move that agent as a container and then leave it there. So we did a few more optimizations or enhancements. So let me talk a bit about that, right? Now, what we have done is, we know that this is a 5G use case, and we know that the flows are GTP flows. So what we have done is, we used the hardware capabilities of the underlying ASIC. We support what is called a user-defined filters. With that, at the hardware layer, we are extracting the GTP flows first from the rest of the traffic, right? And then we do the sampling. So this way, you can have better detection efficiency. That's the first enhancement we did. So the, oh, that's nice. So the router always knows how does it taste. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And the second part we did is, now that we have this GTP flows, we extract what is called the tunnel endpoint identifier or TEID, right? Because that is what uniquely identifies a mobile endpoint. We enhanced our NetFlow data to include the tunnel endpoint identifier as well. That's the second uh, additional enhancement. There is a third optimization we have done. We know that it's a container that is churning this data and we would want it to be optimum. So what we did, we formatted all those NetFlow records into the Google protobuf format. And then we send it to the container which is running on the same router. This way we are not going to overwhelm the resources on the router and at the same time we have better detection efficiency. So it's not just about launching the DDoS solution as a container but we also have these additional enhancements. That's where this is a unique solution being launched in the industry for the first time.
3: So, so I, th- I think part of that though is like if for for the service providers that have already invested in the the NCS platform, right? I, I think there's going to be some concern about, okay, hey, we're we're taking this container, we're going to turn it on. Uh, you know, what will that do to the performance of the actual platform? Can you can you talk to that, or is that all done in hardware?
4: Oh, that's a very good point, Liam. Because the first question, the moment we say we are running a container on the router, the primary concern for any customer would be, what about the performance impact, is my rest of the routing going to be impacted? And the answer is no. So as I said, when we launched this secure app hosting infrastructure, we made sure there were some guardrails around how much of resources could this app hosting uh, make use of. So what we do, there's a limit of one GB RAM and two CPU cores that any app could use. So no matter whether you run one app or 10 apps, you can never exceed this fixed set of resources. That's way that way we are ensuring that the core routing functionality of your iOS XR in the 540 is not impacted and the app is doing its job. So does that help, Liam? Yeah,
2: this this looks to me as if you're you're putting the limitations on the Linux level. So then am I understanding that this is happening from iOS XR7 onwards? Because in iOS XR7, you have all these juicy things about secure boot and then you have the the anchor the, the and in the, the trust anchor. So you have all the juicy stuff and then you keep
4: adding more of these, well, sprinkles on top of it. Exactly. So th- thanks to our iOS XR, all the innovations <laughs> that have gone into now, uh, that is where we are able to onboard these kind of new use cases. So this is going to come up in the July release of iOS XR that's coming up uh, in less than a month now. And that's where we are launching the solution.
1: So for most of the non-techy guys, uh, basically what you're, yeah, because you were explaining how, how things are working um, uh, with the on the cell side, right, right? When you were exporting also the terminal ID. So basically once you identify the malicious uh, flow, right? It's basically an ACL that you're actually configuring on the, on the device itself, right?
4: Exactly. So if you look at the attack uh, life cycle with this new solution, it looks like this. Now, the controller would first uh, launch the detection agent on the router. It configures it and everything's running, right? Then right. you have these IoT endpoints, mobile endpoints getting connected to the 540. The NetFlow yeah. data starts coming into the container. And right. let's say the container detects an attack. It immediately notifies with a simple API call back to the controller uh, saying that, hey, this is uh, this seems to be a, a attack coming in and this is the tunnel endpoint identifier, uh, what's the action to be taken? Now, we have got two options on the controller. You could mitigate it automatically, or you could take a manual action after further inspection. No matter what, the controller will push a simple ACL blocking rule with this tunnel endpoint identifier, right? And that's how you're blocking that uh, specific offending flow. So you get the granularity at that TEID level.
3: No, no, I was just going to ask, because, so, so when these attacks come into the router, <clears throat> is this something where the controller would need to block one sort of endpoint, or is this something where it might need to do 20,000 or 50,000? Is, is it pretty, <clears throat> do you know, is it, is, it, is it sort of volumetric, or is it targeted, or can it be both? So the detection algorithm
4: as such can cater to both volumetric and also application layer attacks. So the algorithm that's running There's no change, right? Uh, Like the way a DDoS attack would be detected, the same would apply here as well. But it's just that there's a new way of detecting these attacks. Uh, The algorithm is called based on quantiles where the entire traffic is split into chunks, which we call as quantiles. And then based on these quantiles, the Docker container churns the data and then tries to detect if there is an attack. But then there could be multiple TEIDs, multiple offending uh, endpoints connected to the router, and then uh, the respective ACE rule gets pushed then you will block the traffic. Now the beauty of this is this once a deny ace has been pushed to block the traffic you don't have to take any manual action to remove it. We have got logic in place to continuously monitor what's happening with that ACL that we pushed. We constantly check if the attack is still in progress and if we detect that yes the attack has stopped we remove those deny aces Automatically so you as a operator don't have to worry about going and manually removing those deny aces Okay, that's a lot of magic and I I love the way it sounds But
2: I have another question and please call me idiot if you feel if you like it or, or don't I don't know up to you <laughs> But <laughs> I have I have seen many solutions in which the box is a client a server a superhero and the box does everything I have seen solutions in which you have OpenStack and KVM and and the OpenStack instance is running in a container. The VM is run by KVM. You never know where the port is exposed and in which direction. It's nuts. Sometimes we want to build things that are insanely complex and then they fail as all complex systems fail spectacularly. So then... Then what does it happen with this controller? Is it controller sitting in the box? It is outside of the box, it is just floating somewhere. Where is the controller to whom am I sending this well life-saving API call? Hey David, it's in the cloud Valid yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So that, that's definitely a valid
4: point. Uh, and like I said, uh like you put it very well, right? You cannot have all of this functionality sitting on a 540 router itself, right? Because the functionality of the router is this. You need to do your routing path and you need to detect the attack, that's it. The rest of the controller should be off the box. And the reason is this. You may potentially have hundreds of cell sites that need to be managed, right? So it makes sense to have your controller somewhere centrally. Uh, so let's say you already have a DDoS solution in a traditional way. You might have some compute already deployed or, uh, or like uh, Alexander mentioned, maybe in the cloud, right? You just deploy this VM a controller and that manages all these hundreds of cell sites. In fact we have tested uh, wherein a single controller instance can scale to thousands of instances of detectors right and then we also made sure the controller and the detector uh, communicate over gRPC and then there is a mutual authentication as well. This way we make sure that uh, your detector is not talking to a rogue controller or your controller is not trying to talk to a rogue detector, right? So we have made sure they are mutually authenticated as well.
2: So you're doing it via the certificates, isn't it?
4: Exactly. So uh-huh. there is a certificate exchange <laughs> and they make sure we handle all rogue entities coming into the network. So that's taken care.
1: How does, um does you know, for example, if we talk about the, the standard or the, the older ways of doing NetFlow, you know, like uh, DDoS uh, protection, right, in classic service writer's network. how difference is a little bit with what we are actually proposing here with uh, the edge. So from our NetFlow rules, we need to, uh, like David mentioned it, uh, we need to have a route server somewhere that's actually sending a, a black hole route somewhere to some devices, et cetera, so.
4: Yeah, good point. So we, you no longer have to do that PGP flow spec or flow diversion, right? So let's start from the attack detection part. Do we still need NetFlow? The answer is yes. But what we are saying is, you don't have to export the NetFlow externally to some central entity, right? We consume that NetFlow data locally, and then we optimized the consumption by encoding it into the protobuf format. So let's say you have a use case where you still want to export your NetFlow data for some other housekeeping requirements, right? As a service provider, you might want to uh, see uh, what's the kind of flows and all going on, you could still do that. So you could have your optimized protobuf encoded flows going to the local detector for DDoS. Then you could have your traditional NetFlow export for other non-DDoS use cases. So we are not stopping that. All we are saying is, if you are enabling NetFlow only for DDoS, to export it to outside of the box, you don't have to do that anymore. You can consume it locally. That's that's the advantage. And the second point uh, which you brought up do we still need flow diversion, scrubbing and all of that? Definitely no, because it's a simple REST API call from the controller and you block the attack traffic right on the router. But if, if I think uh, we had a question before, right? Would the older DDoS solutions uh, be rendered useless? No, because if you already have some scrubbing capacity, you could still use that. Uh, you could continue to export the net NetFlow uh, or divert the flows there for non-5G, non-mobility use cases. So both of them can coexist. Then let's assume you're a massive
2: customer and now it is becoming more common to then deploy your own 5G network. It, it's not a business case. So you have a bunch of warehouses, you have a massive campus or, or you just want to spend the money somewhere. So assume you have 5G internally. Then are you getting benefits from this? Because if you're a massive enterprise, maybe you could be offering a service outbound. That's, that's common. Let's assume it's a consulting company. Then are are you getting anything from this or should we just let the providers do the provider stuff? Although you always see these cases of self-deployed MPLS network, self deploy 5G, then is this possibly becoming or could become then a use case for a big scale enterprises is a quite a niche,
4: but. Yeah, so definitely. So though we say primarily this is for service providers because that's where uh, you typically see these uh, large amounts of traffic and DDoS attacks, it doesn't rule out a big enterprise that has their own uh, infrastructure and providing services to their other clients. It doesn't rule out. So the same solution could still work whether you are an enterprise, a big data center, or a service provider, it doesn't matter. If you have a situation where you have GDP flows, uh, offending traffic coming in onto your edge, especially the access routers, you could deploy the solution. It doesn't matter uh, if, as long as you have a strong use case for this, you can go ahead and deploy
3: it. Just to be clear, this doesn't replace a product. Like this is not the evolution of, uh, 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 like some product that's being tombstoned, like in the enterprise space or something like that. This is designed for this particular flow where the other DDoS solutions from, from Cisco and Radware, that partnership... Are still in place, correct? Exactly.
4: So that, thats exactly is our point. We are not saying the existing solutions are not going to work anymore. Existing solutions could coexist with this new secure DDoS edge protection as well. So the point is, both of them can coexist for two different use cases, or let's say for the same use case, you want to aggregate all your mobile traffic for uh, applications which are not latency sensitive maybe you could still use the traditional method. And maybe some part of the network where you think uh, they are catering to some uh, critical applications, maybe you deploy them on the cell site routers. It all depends on a specific use case and the customer intent. But like I said before, both the solutions can coexist. Okay, now I have a question. I just came up with,
2: uh, my bad if it's nonsense, it has, it made sense, Senkosniko then if we're talking about iot and 5g and this type of stuff but before that you mentioned low latency then responsive apps and this type of thing so what if then the use case would be this type of trading companies you know the ones that everybody is having in their little phones now everybody wants to buy stocks and bonds and etfs and all that kind of stuff so would that be then a use case as well let's assume you have a thousand of users trying to buy a A very cool coin with a cute animal on top of it, and it's digital, and we all want to, you know, hit the little button to buy it. And
4: does that work the same way? Because this is also sensitive. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, like I said, connected cars may not be the only use case. Trading, (laughs) definitely. And like I said, cute coins. uh, Twenty (laughs) nineteen. We got to put that in the
1: marketing material. Yeah, we see where we see where your uh, your heart is at, yeah
2: No, no, not really. I just I just thought about it because trading is indeed a sensitive thing and Absolutely. i have worked with some companies that do trading and the town the downtime is zero so it's not that we can have a window no you can't have a window <laughs> as simple as that it's always zero. so they have even a different design they have two different cores separate one from another so a failure kind of spill over the other core so these, these are extremely uh, uh, well they are risk aware but, but highly, but it's because a little disruption can be millions. So then this could be actually a use case for this because if you're just going to vomit over my network as an attacker and then, well, let me try to blah, over your trading, then I can also
4: use this to stop it right at the edge. Exactly, David. So any, any such application, right, where mm-hmm. there is uh, latency being a primary requirement. And you cannot effort uh, this kind of uh, downtime and that's where you would want to put a solution right at the access layer right and like I said before as well right uh, we have seen such attacks uh, including the New Zealand stock exchange example I said in 2019 right so it did so these financial institutions are also definitely a target and, and not just a typical service provider network
1: I think uh, from a service provider network uh, it's a service that they can offer to big enterprise customers like David Seta because it's not only a use case for service providers but private 5G networks, any customer or big enterprise customer that wants to offer services, is it uh, selling coins or uh, having
3: a buy? <laughs> 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 Well, say. It's re- no, it's really anybody, same- anybody that has a 540, right? Or right now that has that platform, right? That has a use for that. The
4: industries could be anything, any verticals, right? As long as you have a use case where you cannot afford uh, latency, and then you are worried about DDoS attacks, uh, then definitely this is uh, the solution that could come to your rescue.
1: I would even go further for a service writer because service writers are always now under pressure uh, uh, for revenue base. And just just from a normal case, they can sell this one as a value-added service to a big enterprise customer running whatever. So I think this is uh, also uh, interesting to see and uh, the evolution there.
2: I think it's wonderful as a as a managed service offering because you're always asked to do more with less and anyway you'll be using the same router you would just add the little thing on top and then oh look at this new service i can sell so then another thing is okay i know it sounds wonderful and at this point i don't know if i want to sell it or buy it i guess i would sell it because buying it my i don't have a deep pocket so so then the thing is how can we learn more about this because uh, I would want to see something happen, to see the magic, to see log messages, run some commands and this type of stuff, or at least see cute colors and graphs and believe is working.
4: Definitely, David. So whatever we talked about is not just some theoretical concept, right? So we do have (laughs) a working solution. So what we did is, for folks like you who want to try it out first, before you take a decision, we have the DevNet Sandbox Lab made available for anyone. So today, as we speak, you could go Reserve a DevNet Sandbox for Cisco secure DDoS edge protection. Reserve it and try the entire end-to-end workflow. You could play with the controller. You could try the 540 with the detector running on it. And you could actually see the entire attack lifecycle. You will be able to inject legitimate traffic, malicious attack traffic, and then see the attack being detected and mitigated within seconds. It's, It's already out there for anyone to try it out.
3: Just to comment on that. I, I I actually in in preparation for this spun up the the DevNet sandbox lab. Uh, it's a ten minute spin up. Uh, they give you it's it's actually two NC or uh, two five forties that that like actual not not virtual actual physical boxes, uh, which in these days I'm shocked that they haven't been sold to somebody. But they're running the container on it. You can get into the GUI. Uh, you can you can actually hit the API. Uh, you can, I mean, you can do the whole thing, and then they've got three Cali uh, Linux boxes to be able to inject good traffic and bad traffic. So it's it's a really comprehensive workflow. I didn't go through the whole thing, but I, I at least got sort of aware of it. It it was an awesome awesome lab experience. So good job to to, to you guys and the team for putting that together.
2: That's fabulous! I love the try you know try it on approach. It just doesn't apply for the underwear, but I love the
3: approach. <laughs> Depends on the underwear, I
2: guess.
1: I guess yeah, depending on uh, on <laughs> Why who you if are. They uh, put
2: it on, and then I am oh, not gonna buy it." And then, <laughs> hey,
1: but so Rakesh, um, on top of uh, DevNet, um, imagine I'm uh, I'm a super engineer with some deep pockets. Maybe not buying a uh, physical uh, <laughs> physical boxes <laughs> itself. What would I require? Would I be able to run it as well? Uh, for example, in Cisco modeling labs, uh, is that a way also that I can try this on? Because I think uh, it might also make uh, make sense. Uh, To look at that, because I know it's a 10 minute spin up like Liam said for DevNet, right? But maybe it's not always uh, available as well or after this uh, session, everybody's going to try it, right? So.
4: Definitely, yeah, that's something uh, you could try out. And then again, if you already have a 540, you don't have to have any hardware upgrades or anything. It's just that you get the latest version of iOS XR uh, end of this month and then spin up the whole uh, lab on your own. So there is no hardware dependency at all. And try these in production.
1: Yes, that's... Uh, I, 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 will, I will come and uh, take some videos while you're doing that and then you're starting blocking <laughs> parts of the, the, the West Coast and I was like, yeah, okay, good.
0: <laughs> All right, I get, fantastic. To our listeners, if you want to learn more about today's topic or check out the DevNet Sandbox that Rakesh mentioned, check out the show notes below for the links. And of course, your weekly reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week.